Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we welcome you to the Barbenheimer Primer. Warning, no spoilers ahead. Hi, my friend Kat. Hi, my friend Remy. Um, we have a special guest with us today. It is my cat Sparky. So if you hear thunks and thuds and meows, it is him just saying <laughs> hi to our podcast friends. Hi, Sparky. Welcome to the pod. You want to say hi? Silent of the church mouse now. Maybe later. <laughs> Maybe later. He's got to get warmed up. <laughs> he hasn't done his vocal exercises. <laughs> so how was your trip? Um, my trip was really good. It was very relaxing. Got to take a step back from work. Um, the next month is going to be pretty intense, but yeah, it was lovely. Lots of good food, lots of setting up furniture, which I really enjoyed. So mm-hmm. getting ready, like prepping things for the big move. Yes. Yep. Yep. Man, that is fast approaching. We are I officially know, I five just weeks away. I cannot believe how soon that is. It's very soon. <sighs> I can't wait for you to move to the East Coast. Yeah. And be in this general vicinity and come have movie days with me in the city. I know. I, uh, yeah, that's just going to be so fun. I'm so curious about what movie theaters in the city are going to be like when they're not like all on one level. I'm oh, yeah, so yeah. intrigued by the concept of like a multi-story movie theater. So mm-hmm, that'll mm-hmm. be a fun thing to explore. Yeah. It's very exciting. I love it. Yeah. It's all part of the experience and I enjoy it very much. Awesome. You got to see two new films in the last week and that will be the focus of our episode today. Yes. We decided that since I've been able to see both Barbie and Oppenheimer, but Kat has not yet seen either of them, we want to dedicate this episode to not just Kat's guide, but the listener's (laughs) guide to viewing Barbie and Oppenheimer, according to Remy, me, (laughs) and just giving the most lightest touch spoiler-free nudges that I think might enhance your experience viewing these very exciting films during these very exciting movie times. I'm so excited. Can I know what you rated both of these films before we jump in? You can. Oh boy. Well, there's been some fluctuations, which is why I hesitate to say. Ooh. But they're small fluctuations in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I guess I should say, I've seen Oppenheimer once so far. I went to see that, uh, opening weekend on Saturday, which was almost a week ago now. So I haven't yet had another chance to view Oppenheimer a second time, though I'm planning on doing that. It's just such a long film. You can't really fit it in that easily, or I can't really fit it fit it in that easily on like a weeknight evening. Mm -hmm. So I want to view that one again for sure. But after my first pass, I rated it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. So four and a half out of five. And 
I've seen Barbie twice now because that's easier to view. There's more screenings of it because it's shorter and it's easier to fit in. Mm -hmm. So I was able to see that on Sunday of opening weekend and then again just last night on Thursday night. And I rated it five stars first pass, four and a half stars second pass. So that'll be part of my primer explanation, I suppose. But overall, really high scores. I don't give out yeah. a ton of four and a half, so I definitely don't give out a ton of fives. You can see my uh, histogram of <laughs> star scorings on my profile on Letterboxd under Remy Friend. If you're interested in what that distribution looks like, which I always am because I love a nice histogram. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a fantastic time. It was just a great weekend for movies. It was wins <laughs> all around. It was the most packed. I've seen the movies, I want to say, since you and I went to see Parasite in 2019. Oh, wow. And we got... Didn't we get turned away the first time we yeah, tried we did. to go and had to go back later? It's we went like, to drinks. <laughs> yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> this time, I wasn't turned away because I ordered my tickets 12 days in advance. Wow. And still had to kind of scrounge around in the front rows for uh-huh. a decent seat. And every single screening I've been to has been wall-to-wall filled. Wow. Every single one. Even the one that was like, at 10 30 a.m on a sunday and on thursday night like almost a week after release wall to wall not an empty seat in the house in a big theater that's amazing with, uh like a million showings a day so yeah the attendance is intense the energy at the theater is very charged everyone is excited <laughs> everyone's thrilled to be there Everyone's taking a picture of the Bigfoot uh, promotional <laughs> display for Barbie at my theater at the Lincoln Square I, AMC. Yes, I see. I thought There's you a meant big... a Bigfoot. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, no. It's <laughs> a, a foot that's big. <laughs> I'm loving it. Everyone's stopping for photos by the big Barbie foot. And <laughs> in the Barbie box, there's uh-huh. like a, a human-sized cardboard box that you can take photos inside of and pretend that you're a Barbie inside of a box. That's a genius touch. Whoever thought of that, great work. But anyway, yeah, it was just a really good experience being in a full theater Mm -hmm. and having everyone dressing up and being really excited and just clapping so hard for Nicole Kidman and just being very there for the movies. It was great energy. And I'm glad that everyone seems to be going strong. I I bet these films will have really strong second weekends as mm-hmm. well. Not just because a lot of people couldn't get tickets during the first week, but also because it seems like a lot of people are doing rewatches in the theater as well. Mm-hmm. And that's always an excellent, excellent sign. Perfect. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited. They're both on my list. I did not make it out to see them while I was on vacation, but I have every intention of going. So I know you get a free pass. You were on a trip and everyone knows that's just hard to (laughs) wrangle with your schedule. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So 
I guess I will say a little bit about both of them. I'll go in order of how I viewed them, I suppose. But in case you guys don't know, I'm going to be talking about Oppenheimer, the new Chris Nolan film, and Barbie, the new Greta Gerwig film that just released this past weekend. And there's been a lot of fanfare because often only one really big picture is released per weekend or like even more than one week apart. So it was kind of built up to be this big event that both of these big films from these big name directors were releasing on the same weekend. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what led to all this extra excitement and fanfare that I've been loving. And while these films are certainly very, very different from each other in not just in terms of aesthetics, but in terms of approaches and philosophies as well. They also have a lot of fundamental things in common in that both of these films are analyzing two very different figures that represent some outdated mid-century American ideals Mm. in a way, and it's a retrospective on how these huge cultural figures in the U.S. have cast a long shadow that lingers still to today. And it's just a a really exciting convergence of those two types of ideas with wildly different approaches that are both extremely successful in their own right. So for me, the first, I was really excited. If you'll remember, Kat, I had Oppenheimer on my top five most excited things for 2023 Mm -hmm. list. And I couched it slightly because I'm not much of a biopic person, Mm -hmm. but I am a Chris Nolan person. So (laughs) that's where my allegiances lie in the excitement for this film. So I got my tickets for Oppenheimer on Saturday. And I told you in last episode, I elected to see it on 70 millimeter rather than in Dolby or on IMAX. And I've heard tell that the IMAX experience, the IMAX 70 millimeter experience is the only true experience (laughs) and it makes a huge difference. So I'm considering maybe seeing it that in that format as a follow-up, but, but just considering it for, for now. I don't know. I think there's just something about it being massive and huge <laughs> that makes a difference, apparently. Not sure. I'd have to experience it to tell you. Okay. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just a normal size 70 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little skeptical of it being like a totally different movie in... In IMAX 70 millimeter, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, and I think when people talk about it needing to be seen in IMAX, it is a little bit of a misdirection mm-hmm. in that it kind of conjures ideas of huge action set pieces, mm-hmm. I suppose, because. That's what I considered a lot of IMAX movies to be before. So, for example, the new Mission Impossible just came out, and that went out on IMAXs. And that obviously is huge, big visual action set pieces. Mm-hmm. But And in the past, Chris Nolan has had huge, big action set pieces mm-hmm. featured in his films because he's extremely skilled at filming those types of things. But 
this is not an action-oriented film, and I think that is a fair thing to say up front, because it's not a spoiler, and it does kind of help set people's expectations. This is a very, very, very dialogue-driven film, Mm. which isn't to say that it is boring in any way. It is relentlessly paced. It is just constantly driving the story forward at a breakneck speed, but it is all conversation, essentially. Mm. There's some, you know, predictable big visual sequences that are going to be featured that can't be avoided, but a lot of it is lots and lots and lots of talking. (laughs) For three hours. (laughs) For three hours. So... My advice, my primary advice for anyone going out to see Oppenheimer is get ready to pay attention. (laughs) This is not going to be a sit down and vibe out type of film unless you're cool with like missing some details. Mm. So I would say like be alert, be caffeinated, not so caffeinated that you need to get up and go to the bathroom a bunch of times, but Certainly don't go exhausted because it's going to require some effort to keep up and it's going to be worth it, especially because the pacing, like I said, it's extremely propulsive and I believe most of that is due to the excellent editing done by Jennifer Lame. She just, I don't know how, but she keeps you on the edge of your seat, even though you're just watching men talk in rooms and it's uh, an expert level achievement in editing in this film. And I'm really glad that a lot of people have been talking about her contribution to the film thus far. Hmm. What? I mean, hmm. can you speak to the tone of the film? I think that that's something that makes me nervous about watching it is when things are intense for a really long time. I can get like emotionally exhausted in a film, if that makes sense. And so the idea of going to a theater and being like emotionally exhausted for three hours um, is daunting to me, I suppose. Yes. I'm very glad you asked for this clarification because when I say it's propulsive and relentless, I do not mean in an emotional sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, strictly in an information influx sense so you want to pay attention to people's names people are going to use a lot of names (laughs) and you want to know who they are Uh, and there's just a lot of details about interplay between scientists between physicists actually and what's happening with the project Mm -hmm. and are we going to get this guy for the team and what's this guy think about this plan for the project? And it's all completely centered around J. Robert Oppenheimer, portrayed by Killian Murphy. And it's all from his perspective. For the most part, there is a a second storyline that converges in the third act with Oppenheimer's key storyline. But All of this is obviously centered around him. It's his biopic. You're just going to be getting a lot of details at a very fast pace. And the more details you can appreciate and retain, the fuller picture you're going to get of this portrait of Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense? So basically, I don't know exactly how I would describe the tone per se, other than a very thorough examination of this one specific person during a specific window of their life. Mm. Yeah. Which isn't a tone, but... (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another reason I ask is my coworker saw this film while I was away, and he asked if I'd seen it when I came back today, and I told him no. But, uh... He said, it's really interesting because I think one of the Safdie brothers was involved at yes. one point. And he he's was, an actor in it. Oh, okay. And he was saying that once the Safdie brother entered the plot, it started feeling a little like Uncut Gems. And I was like, huh, oh. that's interesting. I'm very intrigued by this. I think it was like that from the start, oh. I would argue. Mm-hmm. But I was actually really excited to see Benny Safdie. <laughs> that was something I was going to bring up, is that this cast for this film is absolutely stacked. All the small parts are amazing people. There was people coming out of the woodwork that I was excited to see. Ooh. It was, yeah, Benny Safdie was certainly one of them. A couple of them I don't want to give away because they're just a delight to show up, even if it's just for two to five minutes, I was thrilled to see them. But even, um, I mean, just everyone is amazing. I mean, obviously Killian Murphy's getting tons of praise and Robert Downey Jr. is also getting very deserved praise. A lot of people are excited that this is the first part in a long, long time where he's doing real acting and (laughs) Everyone's excited for that because he's an excellent actor. It's the best that I've seen him since Zodiac, certainly. And yeah, he absolutely killed it. I was really excited to see Macon Blair from Mm. Blue Ruin. (laughs) He was there. He plays a defense attorney. I loved seeing him. Emily Blunt is there, of course. She plays Kitty Oppenheimer, and she's always great. Huge fan of hers. I love every second that I see her. Mm -hmm. And the rest I want to leave as surprises, I think. Mm -hmm. But there's just... I mean, obviously Florence Pugh is great as well. But there's just a ton of people that... There's the names go on and on. I'm scanning them right now and I'm seeing Matt Damon's name like 50 names down on IMDb and he does an amazing job. He crushes it. He plays his role. He knows exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He he completely understood his assignment and (laughs) played his character to a T and everyone really, really crushed it in the acting. I remembered seeing him in the theater trailer that I had Mm -hmm. seen that I couldn't find on YouTube, but I was telling you about, and I really was intrigued by Matt Damon in that. I liked him a lot. Yeah, he was excellent. So I'm really pleased with the casting for every single piece. Really fascinating choices, and everyone did an excellent job. Um, let's see. What else can I tell you that isn't a spoiler? Hoyte Van Hoytema is the cinematographer again. Uh, We love him from Dunkirk. We love him from Nope. He's got the director of photography belt for sure. He's crushing it out there. 
And I'm really excited that he continues to work with Chris Nolan because I think working with directors that do big set pieces really suits him. And in this particular film, he really showcased his talent for filming people close up, uh, which is a part of his portfolio that never stood out to me before, but he shows that he is very well adept at finding that emotional intensity in like a really close shot of a person's face. And I think this was an excellent broadening of a display of his skill set. And I love that. I want to support him all the time. He's wonderful. Please use him. Use him in every movie. I love it. He does such good work. Yeah, and I would say that's just another example of how Oppenheimer, in every respect, is highlighting people at the height of their craft, whether it's acting, cinematography, original score was extremely well suited. This was uh, done, the score was done by a person that I'm not familiar with. Um, gosh, there's just so many names in this. I'm <laughs> Well, I'm going to take a run at this. So the original score is by Ludwig Goransson. Sorry if that's not the right pronunciation, but excellent score, completely suited everything that was happening on screen. I know a lot of people are listening to it on their own time just to add some intensity to their lives. Oh, wow. So that's always a mark of excellence. Huh. Was that the person who did the score for Tenet as well? Ooh, let me check. Good question. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the guy that got on board with Chris in Tenant because Hans Zimmer was doing the score for Dune. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I remember discussing that. <laughs> and I guess I should have said at the top, this movie is based on a book by Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin, mm-hmm. their book, American Prometheus, which is an extensive profile of Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, I have not read the book. I don't read a lot of biopics and definitely not ones (laughs) about physicists. (laughs) But from what I understand, this film keeps very closely to what is reported in that book. So a lot Mm -hmm. of care was taken to get as much right as possible, which I think is also a huge feat of craft as well, getting period accurate stuff and representing all of these different events. And I don't think this is a spoiler, but I will say one of the big highlights of the film is when Christopher Nolan uses artistic flourish artistic flourishes to represent the sub the subjective experience Mm. of Oppenheimer in specific moments. And I really loved the way he portrayed, or I love the way he employed practical effects to give us insight into what that character was feeling in that moment. And those were my favorite moments of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm very intrigued by that. Um, So... We were just talking about the score, but I saw on your Letterboxd review that you said it was the sound design for me, and I'm curious if you can um, speak a bit more to that aside from the score. Like, what did you like about the sound design and the mixing kind of 
in addition to the score and complement? Yes, that's actually a perfectly timed question because I really liked the sound mixing and editing, especially in regard to the subjective experience of Oppenheimer throughout the film, because a lot of the time you are inferring his internal state, and the sound editing does a lot of the heavy lifting for that, in my opinion, on the first pass. Mm. And I thought it was expertly employed and added an intensity, but certainly a depth to everything I was seeing. And obviously a lot of a lot of the spectacle part relies on big sound. This is showing in Dolby Cinemas, so you know it's gonna have a big splashy sound elements. But it's not just that it has big sound, it's that it has thoughtful sound that is employed with intention to just tell the story in in a startling and unexpected way. And there was a you can just tell there's a lot of thought and care that went into it. And it definitely does a lot of heavy lifting and definitely enhances the film throughout. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's awesome. I can't wait mm-hmm. to, to see for myself what you're talking about with the subjective experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I read just a tiny little blurb about that um, in some article that crossed my path, but I didn't want to look too much into it and risk spoilers. So, Yeah, I also avoided any you know, commentary longer than a tweet about both of these films before going into them. And so I kind of spent a lot less time on Twitter hoping to avoid <laughs> any extraneous information before going in. If if you could pick one non-spoilery moment that was your favorite from this film, what would it be? It's okay if there's not one because it's... Oh no, I know what it is. Okay. <laughs> it's every time Jack Quaid plays the bongo drums. <laughs> I love that out of context. I'm so here for it. Yeah, please. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> this was a, a perfect example of interactions that Will and I have, because we both saw Oppenheimer together mm-hmm. and talked about it extensively afterwards. And two days later on Twitter, I saw a photo of the real-life scientist that Jack Quaid was portraying and it was a portrait of him holding his bongo drums in real life and the caption of the tweet was the bongos were real and i ran into the room to tell will i was like will the bongo the bongo playing in oppenheimer it was real it really happened and he was like what bongos what bongos (laughs) sir how could you just forget about the bongos he's a drummer i know he they didn't they did not uh (laughs) Make an impression. Radar. Apparently yeah. not. They they're there at least twice that I noted. That yeah. guy's just wailing on the bongos. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> look out for them. It's a delight. So. so with the detail about the bongos, Oppenheimer is definitely a solid yes from me. Absolutely. I can't wait for you to see it so that we can talk about it in mm-hmm. depth because I we're. We're just scratching the surface here. I have a lot of thoughts about it that are Mm spoiler-oriented. 
So, Oppenheimer was not the only thing you had the pleasure of viewing last week. And arguably, I'm much more excited for this film. And I cannot wait to hear your takes on this. My, I got like really excited because you texted me after you saw it and you said, Barbie is five stars. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> because yes. I just wasn't sure what to expect. And I knew that Greta Gerwig is a solid director, but um, Barbie's a hard thing to tackle. So yeah, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I was really glad that you liked it so much. Absolutely. I went in with a very similar attitude of cautious optimism, <laughs> I guess I would call it, because like you said, I think Greta Gerwig is an extremely skilled director, and I mm-hmm. trust her sensibilities and her point of view. So I figured we were probably in good hands, but at the same time, I don't particularly care for Barbie as a brand, mm-hmm. and I also don't care for the larger genre of IP product-driven yeah. storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like swimming against the current of those two factors. Mm-hmm. But if you go in with moderate expectations, I think they will certainly be exceeded because similar to Oppenheimer, this is also a huge group of people that are operating at the height of their craft. Mm -hmm. The set design and costume design and overall visual design of this movie is excellent. Everything is a technical achievement, and the direction is definitely done by someone operating at the top of their craft Mm -hmm. who appreciates the foundations of soundstage cinema that Mm. came before them, if that makes sense. So there is a ton of homages Mm -hmm. to very famous classic films Uh, Which I'm sure you could surmise from all of the references that were even just in the promotional materials, like the trailer. And this movie is very much in conversation with the history of cinema and the history of Barbie the brand Mm -hmm. and the history of Mattel and the very long shadow that Barbie has cast on particularly women in Mm -hmm. the United States and the Western world. And I really, I want to be very, very cautious with what I divulge about the film Mm -hmm. because I think I was just so dazzled by it and surprised by it in my first viewing. That's what really pushed it up to five stars was the element of surprise in the approach Mm -hmm. and the execution that I really don't want to say any more about it because I don't want to rob you of that five-star experience by dampening the surprise. Um, But I'm really excited to talk about the details of my experience Mm -hmm. and what surprised me and why it delighted me once you've seen it. I definitely want to get into that. But some of the things I can safely talk about, I believe, again, is that this cast is fucking stacked Mm -hmm. wall to wall to the brim Mm -hmm. 
tons of talent out there. A lot of UK-based talent, a lot of, you know, outside of the U.S. talent. We know our two leads, or our primary lead, Barbie's played by Margot Robbie, Mm -hmm. Australian, and the main Ken (laughs) is played by Ryan Gosling, of course, who's Canadian. And then we have a ton of people that I've been watching on British television shows for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them, I was delighted to see, even (sighs) if they just showed up for a couple of lines or a handful of scenes. I, I saw you and I noticed you and I I cherished you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I just think the casting was excellent Mm -hmm. and... I enjoyed every second of it. I guess while we're talking about casting, um, I'll shout out my four faves mm-hmm. that really stood out to me. Not just in terms of performance, but I would say the four people pound for pound that I loved every second they were on screen. A, because they did a good job, but B, because I found all of them extremely funny, which made them stand out, um, was... First of all, Ryan Gosling. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone in this movie did a great, great job. Margot Robbie's an excellent Barbie. But Barbie isn't exactly a super funny character. Like, Mm -hmm. she's got jokes. She's got quips and and good stuff. But they don't set her up for a ton of jokes. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people that they set up for for a lot of the jokes, which there are many jokes. This is a very funny film. I should have said that from the top. It's a delightful film. It's very funny. And you can enter it in any mind state, essentially. Okay. Like, you can be half asleep, you can be probably drunk, and you can be <laughs> not that ready to pay attention, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a great time. So, <laughs> it's not, there's a, there's a low barrier, much lower barrier to entry compared to Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. I would say. And you go on this incredible journey with all these very fun characters well-executed jokes, and Ryan Gosling just does... He carries out the role of Ken in a way that I sincerely do not think anyone else could do in the same way. And he... This role was made for him and his comedic sensibilities Mm -hmm. and just everything about his performance and the talents he puts on display... Mm -hmm. particularly in the third act, in the big set piece of the third act, which was the pinnacle of the movie to me. It was just a lights-out performance. I I sincerely think no one else can do it like him. And this is making a run for my favorite Gosling performance. It's definitely up there with Place Beyond the Pines. Duking it out. (laughs) Couldn't have, like, more different... (laughs) roles but i'm just astounded by what he was able to achieve and i don't think the movie would work without him there's many people that it wouldn't work without definitely it wouldn't work without margot robbie Mm -hmm. but i think most crucially ryan gosling had to do his job and he fucking did it yeah i'm i just feel like from what i've seen in the promo material it's a very kind of caricatured performance, which we haven't really seen from Ryan Gosling, at least in my experience. And so I feel like it would just be very difficult to be that animated as a character. But mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. what I could see, I was very compelled 
by his animation and, I don't know, whole vibe. (laughs) Yeah, it's a singular role, certainly. It's a very strange role for any actor to play a doll (laughs) that's kind of a human, but mostly a doll. And the rules of the movie are very interesting. The rules of their world are really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I think the choices that were made about those rules were the exact correct choices. And when we talk about it more in depth, I'll tell you what I think those, what framework those choices were based on. Mm -hmm. But yes, if you liked his comedic performance in The Nice Guys or Crazy Stupid Love Mm -hmm. or even La La Land... If you liked him in La La Land, you're going to love this movie. I think La La Land is a really good double feature with this film because those are two examples of people that love the history of Hollywood, directors that love the history of Hollywood, I should say, and use every tool in their tool bag that they've gleaned from their deep and well-versed love of the catalog. Can you remind me who directed La La Land? Damien Chazelle. Yes, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, and I guess I should reiterate, Greta Gerwig directed Barbie, but she co-wrote it with Noah Baumbach, who's also oh. a director and also her partner in real life. So they were, it's dual screenwriting credits, but she's the sole director of Barbie. I mean, they're two amazing directors, amazing screenwriters, and... Um, I don't want to say any more about it because <laughs> I'm going to give away all my important takes and I don't want to do that and contaminate your experience. Okay. So I'll leave it at that and I'll list, um, let's see, three more performances that I think oh, you should yes. keep an eye out for. Michael Sarah as Alan. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He I was love my Michael favorite. Sarah. <laughs> he was my favorite character, Alan. I love Alan so much. I would watch an entire movie about Alan. <laughs> I fucking loved Alan. Uh-huh. What a dream. What a great <laughs> job Michael Sarah did. What a great role. Loved it. <laughs> um, all for Alan. It's, yeah. All for Alan. That was my, my letterbox review for Barbie was Alan forever and ever. Amen. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. Shouts to Alan. Keep an eye out for him. Mm-hmm. I also thoroughly enjoyed Kate McKinnon as Ooh. Weird Barbie. Mm-hmm. She got some great jokes. I'm sure she improvised. <laughs> She's amazing. At least half of them. But she, again, is another person who thoroughly understood their role and the assignment and <laughs> delivered. So I I thought she did awesome and she she deserves a lot of shouts, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and finally, there were a lot of small roles I, I think I already mentioned. I mean, this cast is massive, and some people only get a few lines. But one person who I think, in my heart, made the most of their screen time, in that I was focused on them, no matter how many people was in the scene with them, and pound for pound had the funniest <laughs> lines and delivery was Jamie Demetrio, mm. who is a UK based comedic actor. And I think he's a, he might also be a stand up. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I first saw him in Fleabag. He's the, the bus rodent. 
the guy with the teeth that she meets in the first episode. Oh, yes. And I, he's has like a lot of his own stuff. He's the star of Staff Let's Flats and does a ton of really successful comedy acting and writing in his own right. Mm-hmm. But I, I like always associate him with Fleabag. But I will also say he is the guest on my very favorite episode of Films to be Buried with. Please seek out his episode. He tells the funniest anecdote (laughs) about watching a movie with your family that I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) I listened to it at work and almost had a breakdown because it was so funny and I couldn't express it. And... I think about that story he tells He tells all the time. Huh. It's about watching the film The BFG with his dad. And <laughs> you have to listen to it. Well, I had a guess about what category it was going to be in, but now I'm concerned. I don't even know what category it was. Oh. It's just, it's all about the anecdote. I and see. I see. It just perfectly encapsulated that experience. Of watching a film with your family, and he seems just like a delightful <laughs> man who understands what is truly funny, <laughs> and and he puts that on display in Barbie. And I also think some of his lines were improvised, and I deeply enjoyed them. So <laughs> please keep an eye out for Jamie. He did uh, an all star job in my book. Amazing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm gonna have to Google. Some of his work later. You know me, I love a stand-up too. So if he does stand up, I'll definitely check out that. I know, I hope that's correct, but I'm I mean, uncertain on the stand-up part. That's fine. A lot of UK comedians that are on the scene also do stand-up. Mm-hmm. A large portion of them. Yeah, but I could go on and on about other awesome people that were in the film, even just for a moment, but I'll save that for the deep dive because uh, it's all, it's, it's so, it's much more fun if, if they catch you by surprise sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, and I love a funny movie. I haven't been, I feel like I haven't been to see a funny movie in forever. Yeah. There I don't was, know the last one I've seen. There were, like, many more laughs than I was expecting. I, namely because, like, Gerwig's films up until this point haven't been comedically oriented per se they've certainly had like a good humor Mm -hmm. about them but they weren't straight up funny comedic yeah yeah but this definitely is and yeah i loved it so if it seems like something you can get on board with philosophically then you're gonna have a good time yes um which I have no doubts that you can get on board. Oh, that. yes, yeah. Yes. It's for sure. definitely going to suit your sensibilities for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people potentially were surprised by the subject matter in the film, especially mm-hmm. like people taking smaller children and younger oh, yeah. children to the film. Um, that's, so that's that was one question point. I was going to ask you was like, kind of, where do you think that line might be? Cause I know it's Ex- rated PG 13, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent question. I didn't, for some reason, even though this is a movie about Barbie, I guess I just understood from the promotional materials that it was an adult oriented film. Yeah. 
Not that it's unsuitable for younger audiences, but I think a lot of the subject matter is only going to be comprehensible by fully adult mm-hmm. audiences. And I think a lot of it is really only going to hit for people in their 30s or <laughs> late 20s. Um, but yeah, like I, I, a kid can definitely watch it. I, they're just not going to understand okay. a, a lot of it. And certainly not a lot of the references. I mean, even from the... The very first teaser trailer, mm-hmm. it opens with an homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. And the tone that that sets is kind of all you need to know. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, I cannot wait to see this film. Um, it's it's, it's an incredibly so good. good time. Yeah. It's a very, very good time. And it is a very, very rewarding time. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about so much of the big speeches Mm. that happen, but definitely, if you can, go see it in a crowd. Go see it in a packed theater. It really enhances the experience, the energy, the big laughs in the room. Watching scenes where you and everyone in your row is crying (laughs) is a great time as well. (laughs) It's a really... It's one of those films that really benefits from a big group emotional experience. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Mm hmm. I'm going to try to catch it at film scene. I'm going to try to grab a couple of friends, convince them to go yes. with me. Go with your friends. Because that seems like a, a film that will be up a lot of my friends' alley. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. a lot of the movies I watched aren't necessarily up there, they're not their vibe. Um, So I'm really hoping to get kind of a little group together and go see it. Yes, I highly recommend going with a friend or a group of friends. It's a a really communal social movie. Mm -hmm. And I think the all-time best person you could bring to this film, if possible, is your mom. If you have a (laughs) cool mom that you like, you should see this movie with your mom. (laughs) I can't wait. Thank you. For your Barbenheimer primer. Absolutely. I'm so excited to go see these films now. I know. I'm really excited for you to see them. And I'm really excited to talk more about them because I have so many thoughts about both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was telling you via text that uh, I have three movies that I want to see in the next week. One that I'm scared is going to leave the theater before I see it. So it's one of my highest priorities. It is um, the film Talk to Me, mm-hmm. which I've heard surprisingly good things about. I was like kind of, I when I first saw the trailer, I texted you and I was like, this is going to be great. I'm so excited for this. And you're like, I don't know. I'm going to wait to see the reviews when they come out. Yeah. And I was like, okay. That gave me a little bit of pause, but now I'm so thrilled that people are liking it and that the reception of it has been so strong and it came out almost a month ago, so I am nervous. I think it came out June 20-something. Oh, I thought it was this weekend as well for some reason. Oh, maybe it is, but when I Googled it, it said June, so... Mm -hmm. I just now am seeing people's reactions to it, too. And a specific film person that I follow, whose taste I really respect, was raving about it. So 
Um, I yeah, I remember when we were texting about it before. I mm-hmm. was like, I could see this going either way. Yeah, based Horror on the trailer. Yeah, and I'm glad it seems like it's definitely falling on the the a favorable side. Yeah, I'm so excited about it, and I love a good horror flick that drops in the summer because that means it's usually streaming by spooky season so I can Mm. watch it again so I'm really excited about that Mm -hmm. um so I was telling you that I want to start with the scary film because it's going to scare me and then I want to go to Oppenheimer (laughs) to be sad and stressed and then I want to watch Barbie (laughs) to make me happy again yeah 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 Um, Not all in the same day, but just, like, that's the emotional ride that I would like to take. I would love it if you did it all in the same weekend and did a movie (laughs) hat trick. I don't know if that will be possible for me. But definitely within the week is doable. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it's all cinema, baby. (laughs) What an experience. popcorn. Popcorn. (laughs) Love my popcorn. Movies. Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.